Are you ready for the end of the world? Listen to Your Community Spirit, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Let's bring back the circle again. The circle of family, the circle of friends, the circle of being. Wake up and be healthy and therefore wealthy to the peace and joy of Mother Earth. Listen to your community spirit every Friday morning from 10 to 10.30. It's time for the news from Back Home Magazine. Today's news is about natural dyes for coloring fabrics, yarns, and even leather. Most of us take for granted the dazzling rainbow of colors around us every day. Fluorescent yellows and oranges, lush, vibrant shades of green, and eye-squinting bright reds. This overwhelming variety of color we take for granted is possible because of synthetic dyes. But these synthetic dyes have only been developed in the last 100 years or so. The truly ancient art of taking the colors of nature and using them for clothing, tools, or ceremonial occasions dates back at least 5,000 years in China, where they were already conducting dyeing and coloring workshops. Long associated with royalty and riches in most cultures, the deep purple of a monarch's robes was a sign of office, and the formula was often a closely guarded secret. Native Americans mastered the use of a rainbow of natural dyes centuries before Europeans realized that this continent even existed. Ojibwas used the inner bark of black oak to give a reddish-brown shade to porcupine quills. Hopis used sunflower seeds to tint baskets a pale pastel blue, and Zunis used iron minerals and roots of the Indian paintbrush plant to dye deerskins black. The art of dyeing was considered so valuable that the pilgrims used precious space on their small ships to bring seeds for natural dyes. Today, there's a renewed interest in this nearly forgotten art. For children... There's a safe, non-toxic way to dye Easter eggs using red and yellow onion skins. Simply simmer a pot full of onion skins with hard-boiled, white-shelled eggs wrapped in cheesecloth. Other sources for natural dyes can often be found right outside your window. Flowers are commonly used, with marigolds providing a brilliant yellow or sunflower seeds a pale yellow. Bayberry fruits produce a light blue dye, while wax myrtle fruit produces a gray dye. The hulls from many nut trees are another valuable source. Pecan hulls offer up a rich, deep brown, and walnut hulls a tan color. From under the ground, the fresh root of bloodroot will give different shades of orange. Creating and using your own natural dyes is remarkably inexpensive, in large part because virtually everything you'll need in terms of equipment is in an average kitchen. Pots, 
buckets, measuring cups, glass jars, and wooden stirring rods are used for mixing, soaking, simmering, and rinsing. One precautionary note here. It's best to reserve your dyeing containers and equipment exclusively for the purpose of dyeing. Even though you're using natural dyes from natural sources, some of these can be potentially harmful. It would be bad enough to turn out a plateful of green spaghetti, but even worse to make the whole family sick to boot. But with a little care, you can create tie-dyed shirts with native plants for colorings, adding shades and pastels to wools and fleeces, or creating brilliant works of art with traditional time-honored techniques. More information and access to resources for natural dyeing is available from Back Home Magazine. Our phone number is 800-992-2546 or on the web at backhomemagazine.com. News from Back Home is produced in cooperation with WNCW Spindale, North Carolina, with support from AirCheck Incorporated, on the web at radon.com. Back Home Magazine is published bi-monthly in North Carolina, south of Hendersonville, on West Blue Ridge Road, just east of the old Flat Rock. For all the folks back home, I'm Ryan Doyle. Thanks for listening. And I'm Lord Energy Mon. And this is Tree Song. So, uh, natural, natural dying. Is that when you drink hemlock instead of rat poison in order to uh, end your, uh, your days early? Well, whatever turns you blue. <laughs> I guess that would turn you blue. It would be a for, it would be a dual purpose form of natural dye. Actually, I don't think it turns you blue. I think it turns you white. <laughs> Does people actually turn blue? Uh, there are always various stages, but <laughs> we probably don't want to <laughs> go into those just for the sake of a pun. <laughs> just there, there's there used to be um, next to a funeral home in Pickneyville, um, a hair salon called Curl Up and Die. <laughs> yeah, so so I got a phone call. I need to send a shout out to all the dancers at the Sunset Concert because huh. it was hot and they danced huh. and they were hot and dancing. <laughs> and so that's pretty exciting. I missed the Sunset Concert this time around, but I'm glad to hear that they danced. Yep, there was a lot of hunks, <laughs> uh, hot drunks, <laughs> otherwise known as hunks. They're only hunks if they're um, female. <laughs> so, we have a little bit of happenings because it is hot. That's, it's a happening town. The best happening is the fact that there's leaves on the trees and there's water in the lakes. Because <laughs> both of those make it nice and cool in this area. Yep. So, no, you know, we're out here and sometimes we're like, oh, it's so hot in southern Illinois. Imagine how hot it would be if you didn't have the leaves on the trees and the water in the the streams and lakes and such. I'm not going to imagine that, sorry. <laughs> it would be. I was actually, I was thinking about it very specifically uh, yesterday because I walked outside with bare feet. And when I was in the grass, it didn't really feel that hot on the ground. But then when I stepped on bare dirt, oh, it was like, you know, it was like I was walking on hot coals. <laughs> well, you should go walk on some pavement then. Yeah. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> it's a progression, you know. Grass is nice nice and cool. The dirt, it's pretty hot. The pavement, oh, it'll actually burn your feet if you walk on it long enough. I think pavement is hotter than actually walking on fire. 
I think. It feels that way anyway. Yeah, so... Because it's so unnatural, that's why. Yeah. So, um, last week, the longest walk finished in the fact that they all walked all the way from the West Coast to the East Coast. Took them five months. But now they're all trying to get back home. Ah, uh, yeah, they, they all made it to D.C. And it's like, oh, okay, uh, now we get to go back home. And the hard part is, you know, vehicles. Yeah. Driving and breaking down and having enough money to drive from the East Coast. Some people have to drive all the way back to the West Coast because there's, you know, a group of people who walked all the way across America. Uh-huh. Yeah. And uh-huh. now they should be relaxing, but no, they have to make it back across the country. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so... Um, I got asked last night if um, people could still donate um, to The Longest Walk. And yes, you can get online to longestwalk.org and donate money um, because, well, people have to get home. Yeah, part of any any journey like that is the trip home. So, yeah, so. You know, there's still that important last step left. <laughs> and I'm still waiting for my parents to make it back. <laughs> so, um, that's The Longest Walk. Otherwise, um... What else is happening today? Oh, the uh, Habitat for Humanity uh, that we've mentioned a couple times now. You remember the details of it better than I do, I think. Um, every Saturday morning from 8 until noon, um, they're building a house on Oak Street, which happens to be like three blocks from the studio right here. Yeah, if we stuck our heads out, we could look at it. <laughs> and um, from 8 until noon, at, well, pretty much every Saturday morning, this Saturday... They will be working on, we will be working on hanging drywall and working on the back porch. So, if you would like to have a chance to help somebody build a home, right here in town. Yeah. So. Yes. <laughs> it's exciting stuff. And there's also, uh, we mentioned this last week, uh, there's the nor with, not, <coughs> excuse me, no war with Iran, a call to action, That's th- and this time it's this weekend. Because a week has passed in the interim. So, responding to the renewed threats of a U.S.-Israeli attack on Iran before President Bush leaves office, United for Peace and Justice is uh, calling for actions across the United States on July 19th to 21st. And, yeah, that's, I still, I'm still not very happy at all about the thought of invading Iran. (laughs) And I think a lot of people agree with that. Well, I just think that we're spending too much money for external things and we're not focusing any money on, um, well, our economy. Yeah. We spend $12 billion a month in Iraq, $4 billion a month in Afghanistan. That's just those. Yeah. Or we actually have bases in 150-something countries. But what's happening is our economy is falling apart because, well... When you spend more money than you make... Yeah, then you end up in a deficit, and, <laughs> and you start running out of money pretty quickly. I think they just need to hire, I've said this before, they just need to hire a single mom <laughs> to run the economy. You know? Yeah. They, single moms manage to get money from places, I mean, manage to stretch the dollar. Yeah. My mom was a single mom for a while. I don't even know how she did it, but yeah, she, she did it. <laughs> she just... Maybe didn't eat herself. I don't know. Yeah, that's sometimes you got to do stuff like that. But uh, but sadly, the the, the U.S. Uh, federal government is not doing any self-sacrificing measures like that. <laughs> Many people are enriching themselves on these wars, and 
it's time to spend these these billions of dollars on you know programs that help people <laughs> i mean this silly notion we give all this money to the government and they should use it to help people <laughs> instead of to blow up people <laughs> you radical you <laughs> yeah i know this is crazy talking crazy ideas you know at 10 in the morning it's hard to wake up to these things but <laughs> now i have to talk about the film <laughs> at the big muddy imc and yeah. it's about communism. <laughs> and so do I have to yell at you about for being a communist? <laughs> or are you just plain radical? Uh, we're, I, I guess, you know, people get called all sorts of things. That's, <laughs> we, we sort of have, you know, another equivalent of the Red Scare going on these days with bugging phones and things like that. But Tonight's film at the Big Muddy IMC. Big issues on the big screen at the Big Muddy IMC. Film and discussion. This month is History Month. Today, Friday, July 18th, yes, it's July 18th, Seeing Red. This film examines the history of the Communist Party in the United States vis-a-vis -vis the campaign to vilify it by the likes of Ronald Reagan, Joe McCarthy, Richard Nixon, J. Edgar Hoover, and H Hubert Humphrey. It spotlights 50 years of effort to organize unions, achieve social welfare gains, and fight against fascism. That film is tonight, 7 p.m., 214 North Washington oh. Street. Should be interesting. Fighting Against Fascism sounds like an interesting movie. <laughs> I don't like fighting against anything. Yeah, I, I prefer fighting for things, you know, <laughs> but sometimes you can do both simultaneously. And the best, the best news happening is they started shipping the Tesla Roadster. Oh, yes. <laughs> Yes, I'm, actually, I'm surprised you didn't like call me up right away and said, they're shipping them, yeah, buy me one. They're out on the streets. <laughs> it's like, I can't wait to see one. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. You know, I, I had heard earlier, I don't remember if I mentioned it on the show or not, that they had released the first model, like, you know, the, like the... The beta test version. Yeah, or, like basically like the first production model, but they only made one of them just to test everything. Okay. And they gave it uh, to like the guy who had given the most money to the company. <laughs> So like, uh, but now now they're hitting the streets like all the other ones. It's they're shipping them. How many do you know? Um, oh, let's see. I don't know. I don't know exactly, but it's it's got to be it's got to be at least a hundred because I remember they took a, <laughs> they took a hundred orders for right. like you know of like a backlog of who could get to it first. So it's at least going to be a hundred. Could this, be more. Yeah, this is an all electric roadster. Like yeah. you know, high end electric. Sports car. Yeah. It can do, like, I think 3.9 seconds, 0 to 60. So in addition to being, you know... Uh, sexy. Yeah, in addition to being sexy, it's also, like, you know, fuel efficient, too. It's the equivalent of 105 miles per gallon, and it's pure electric, so uh, you're, you're not actually putting any gallons in there. You're putting... Well, what do you do when you sit at the light, though? You know how they go... Wum, wum, wum. <laughs> yeah. Well, you just have to have an MP3 player with that, <laughs> that revving noise. Like... <laughs> it's like... And the well, the part of it is you go wah wah, and the whole car shakes, you know, because the engine's not running real well. Yeah. <laughs> and because they boost it up so that it runs really well at high, but so it's barely running at. Well, all you have to do is beat the other car at the light, yeah. and that's you got your manhood back. Yeah. Oh yeah, and if the Tesla can beat the other cars at the light, it's uh, I've seen video. <laughs> it's like, well, I know that an electric motor. You get the same torque at one RPM as you do at max yeah. RPM. 
And so. that, with, yeah, with the uh, with the internal combustion thing, uh, and they've got this curve, like, you know, oh, we've got to get torque, we've got to build up torque, but with the electric, it's just snap. Right, <laughs> snap, <laughs> snap, and you're 100 foot down the road. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I've actually been in a few electric cars, just, like, ones that people have converted, and they scarily snap your head back pretty yeah. good. I mean, if you don't watch it, I mean... Um, they're nothing like the Prius. The yeah. Prius is like, I was going to say an old person's car, but it's, <laughs> it's a full size car. You know, it's, yeah, it's, it's not a sports car. Yeah. You can, when you drive it, you can tell that it's a big car, you know, yeah. but. Which is fine if that's what you're going for. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's fun that they have this and it's also very pioneering. They have this strategy where first they're coming out with the big, like, you know, fancy, sports car version how much are they uh oh the sports car one that they're shipping out now is like something like ninety thousand dollars only ninety thousand only ninety thousand you've got that in your shoebox i'm sure well i mean i wonder if do they calculate what the payback is um i think they they have done some because they've got calculations on you know comparing it to miles per gallon so then you can you can calculate how much time it takes to pay it back well, if, if if you floor it out, leaving the light every time, you're not going to get 105 miles per gallon. Yeah, you might get like 90 still. <laughs> <laughs> and that's still probably better than your other sports cars and probably better than your SUV also. Really? <laughs> yes, most SUVs do not get 90 miles per gallon. I actually have a news article. We could get right into the news. Um, there's a news article in here about how um, rental companies are having a hard time keeping small cars in. Because before, what they would do is they would just get the cars, um, well, they would get them really cheap from the car manufacturers because people would try them, you know, by renting them, they would essentially be doing a test drive, and if they liked it, maybe they would buy it. But the car companies now lo no longer, here we go, size does matter. Rental car companies struggling to meet demand for smaller cars. Consumer demand for smaller cars is putting car rental companies in a bit of a bind. Until recently, American automakers were glad to unload overstock to rental companies at a discount and then guarantee a price to buy back the cars used. But with the demand for hulking American cars dropping, Detroit has cut back production and is finding the arrangement with big rental less to its liking. Car rental companies are now paying as much as 40% more for cars, and finding it more difficult to unload the used ones as they're big cars that use a lot of gas. Which was very funny because, you know, you would think a rental company would, you know, rent out cars that got good miles per gallon. Mm -hmm. But they rent what people want. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And people... Je I know a lot of people who will rent a car that they won't own themselves just, to, you know, for the excitement, like, you know, <laughs> yeah. rent rent a you know, big SUV or... Or uh, a Tesla Roadster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's do that. They're not going to rent those out anytime soon. No. <laughs> In Chicago, you can rent a smart car, though. Oh, yeah, you mentioned that. Yeah, it's like... Um, Once they have, like, the... Eventually, they're going to come out with, like, a $30,000 uh, Tesla Motors car. Um, once they have that, they might actually rent that out. We'll see. <laughs> yep, so... I was actually... I might have already talked. Did I talk about uh, someone who rented a Prius? No, I don't think so. A, a guy rented a Prius, and there's you can buy an option where you have the key with you, and when you walk away from the car, it automatically locks. Uh huh. 
and when you walk towards it, it automatically unlocks. So he rents this car, and he's got, like, all his valuables in the car, and he makes sure he locks the car. But then he comes back to get back in the car, and it's unlocked, and he freaks out. (laughs) He's like, it took him a while. He had it for, like, three or four days. It took him a while to figure out that when you walk towards it, it automatically unlocks. (laughs) And how he figured it out is he left the key thing setting over there, and then he walked towards the car without the key thing. Yeah. (laughs) So it's like... That's pretty funny. Cars that are, you know, smarter than us. Yeah, (laughs) sometimes they do outsmart us now. So. Just as long as they don't rise up against us. (laughs) Um, Today's top story is the gory details. Yes. (laughs) Would you like to read about Al Gore? Sure, I can do that. The gory (laughs) details. Al Gore details plan for exclusively carbon neutral electricity in U.S. by 2018. In a speech in Washington, D.C. this week, Climate activist Al Gore called for the United States to move toward using electricity that comes exclusively from carbon-free sources within 10 years in order to stave off catastrophic climate change. Quote, I ask you to join with me to call on every candidate at every level to accept this challenge, he said. Quote, it's time for us to move beyond empty rhetoric. We need to act now. Gore said the convergence of high oil prices, worries about energy independence, and the threat of the climate crisis have created a new political environment, paving the way for ultra-ambitions or ultra-ambitious energy policies that could finally break the country's addiction to fossil fuels. Gore's Alliance for Climate Protection estimates that such a conversion to clean electricity would cost up to $3 trillion over 30 years. But, Gore said building a new round of conventional coal plants would also cost roughly as much. Gore's plans for continued reliance on nuclear power at current levels while dramatically increasing power sourced from geothermal, solar, and wind. Uh, Straight to the source, Associated Press. See, I like the fact that that article points out that building all these new coal plants would also cost, you know, billions of dollars, possibly a few trillion. Because I've heard heard one or two people cite these statistics. Oh, it's going to cost us like a trillion dollars or three trillion dollars to convert to renewables. But... The alternative is building a bunch of plants anyway. Why do we call them plants anyway? <laughs> yeah, they're not plants. They're, they're sort of the opposite of plants. Yeah, yeah. it's like some... They, we're going to have to come up with a new word. Yeah. But we're so used to saying plants, I can't even think of another word. Yeah. Uh, destruction centers. <laughs> so, people, people really manage to, you know... Environmental services is companies who go spray for bugs, spray yeah. pollution. <laughs> you know? It's just words. Like uh, military intelligence? <laughs> I don't get that one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, would you like to win $750,000? I think I've got your attention. The Picnic Green Challenge. Give us or rather, the Picnic Green Challenge, your best climate-friendly greenhouse gas-cutting idea, and it could be worth a $750,000 cash prize sponsored by the Dutch Postcode Lottery. Hmm. Well, that might seem like an offbeat organization to be dabbling in eco-entrepreneurship. It's no joke. Last year's winner, Igor Klum, revved up his company, Quantern, with the prize winnings and is well on his way toward launching a system for connecting and managing local area networks of renewable energy. 
Translation, small groups of homes or businesses can maximize their wind, turbines, heat pumps, and solar installation by sharing energy and having a computer-controlled, quote, brain keep track of uses and efficiencies. Now, if you want to give your idea, you're going to have to not wait. Formulate your eco-friendly idea now because the challenge deadline is July 31st. Yes. Well, that's a tight time frame. The winner last year wrote his proposal in one day and still managed to impress from among the 439 other entries. So, if you would like to go to the entry form, go to picnicnetwork.org. Throw in your idea, and guess what? You might win $750,000. Yes, you could be the one. They're going to choose three to five finalists and... Then they're going to give them um, a chance to, you know, expand upon their basic idea to try to win the big prize. Yeah, <laughs> and so. that'll be pretty exciting if someone goes to that and says, "I was listening to, to your community spirit one day, and I heard about this contest, and I won." <laughs> hey, if you win, you're going to have to kick back some money. Yeah, <laughs> this is not a freebie. You can share the wealth with DBX, and you know, with your favorite. Uh, uh, <laughs> Hosts who helped you win the contest. There you go. If you would like help writing this down. Yeah. If you have this brilliant idea, but you're not sure how to explain it exactly. Treeson can write, and I can articulate. <laughs> <laughs> Any other happenings? Or, well, I guess we're in news, really, huh? Yeah. So let's see. In other news, oh, how about this one? Climate Progress Drill Bill. Don't read that one. That's about how they're going to drill for oil in Alaska. We don't want to hear that. Yeah. Well, I'll at least read the headline here, just so they know what's going on. 2.6 million acres open to drilling in Alaska. Dems introduce Drill Act to spur production. I want people to quit driving because they're starting to drill in places that are supposed to be natural. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> people don't listen. Maybe one day they will. Maybe when the $30,000 uh, Tesla Motors car comes out. <laughs> Here's a Dear John letter. Well, Dear John and Barack letter. Oh. Ex-policymakers urge current politicians to get off their hind ends, as in quit being an ass, and act on energy. In order to avert a long-term energy crisis, writes a bipartisan group of former political up-and-ups in a letter to U.S. politicians, we must re-examine outdated and entrenched positions on energy. So, that was the... We must. Yes, we must. There's yeah. <laughs> I, I, got, I got out my bicycle, and it was so hot, I blew the tire. Huh. It's like, but I've, I fixed it up, and I'm going to be... Um, I, I've re-examined my life so much, I bought a house in town, so I don't have to drive back and forth to town. I'm going to be riding my bicycle around town, and I have already cut my gas consumption by about $175 a month huh, in yeah. the last two months, just not driving back and forth to Pomona every day. Huh. I, still go, impressive. I still go back at least once a week because, you know, I kind of like the woods. <laughs> yeah. Carbondale's okay, but the woods are better. <laughs> yeah. it's like, the woods are always better, yeah, you know. So. <laughs> If you have any exciting and informative happenings, please email them to us. Well, to me, info at yourcommunityspirit.org. And you can also email them to me at treesong at treesong.org. 
Will do. I hope to see you guys on the radio. <laughs> yes. <laughs> next week, because, I don't know, I like talking to you guys. Yes, next week, same bet time, same bet channel. <laughs> oh, you got sucked into the local... <laughs> yeah, I, w- I went and saw the Batman movie. <laughs> <That's> like... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get to sleep till 4.30 a.m., but what, what, that just makes me a little more giddy for the radio show today. Yeah. <laughs> so, what else we got to say? Let's go swimming. Yes. Have a good day. Stay energized. That sounded like a threat, didn't it?